0: Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles. A
1: podcast to help the church read, pray, and interpret sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I'm Chase Krause. And I'm Ryan Pollack. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Depending on when you're listening. Isn't that
1: what they say on the Truman Show? Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Dude, that
0: show is so sad.
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's really a bummer. yeah. Um, it's one of those ones you should watch on a Saturday morning on a bright sunshiny day for or, sure.
0: or just like YouTube or you know Google the summary and then not not watch it. I, just
1: <laughs> I forgot your I forgot your uh, your case against sad movies. I forgot yeah, about that. I
0: just like I don't know. Uh, well, I watched Lord of the Rings. <laughs>
1: you didn't you didn't listen to much emo music as a teenager. Dude, I actually
0: I, well in middle school. I had met emo Okay, phase. so you
1: grew out of it really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: once I got to high school, um yeah, it just it didn't didn't do it for me. But um yeah, What's it, what was it was that band? Uh what was like the the stereotypical emo band in middle school? Oh gosh. Uh, uh I feel like one of the more Black Parade. Who sings Black uh, Parade? My Chemical Romance. Oh yeah, I was really into So yeah. even even now Vive and I like when we're on big road trips, we always have an emo like phase of the road trip <laughs> it's like it's always at least 30 to 45 minutes when we're kind of tired and we just need to like sing some angstiness
1: man uh Helena still rips oh dude yeah, that's that's black, a great song
0: black parade mm-hmm. is still a fantastic like just musically when, when you i was to, a young boy yeah and how it builds and like yeah so if even if you're not into emo music this is ryan and i's pitch for you <laughs> um, i know we're gonna talk about this today but you should you should listen to the black parade by my chemical romance by yourself while driving at night
1: and just remember what it was like to be like 13 or 14 <laughs> years right. old and how you would have thought man this is deep at that time there's a whole there's a whole reddit page called i'm 14 and this is deep have no you way. have you ever been there no it's, it's that's a rabbit
0: hole i don't know if i want to go you, you you really should it, it'll
1: bring you back for sure oh the uh, angstiness it, yeah it's just like quotes from fight club and, oh my uh, and and emo songs you know what i mean the
0: angstiness of acts
1: that's right you that's right. there. Is it? Is there any angst in Acts?
0: There might be. Angst, and, angst in it Acts. It's just kind of fun to say. It's hard to say. What, what's, um, that, what's that What's call when two words sound like, kind of alike but don't quite rhyme? It's a, it's a linguistic thing. Anyway, no idea. I,
1: I, got, I got you. Yeah. It's going to take me longer than we have here. Well, that's fine. We're going to well, talk about the next
0: 30 minutes.
1: <laughs> okay, everybody. Well, we are continuing on, soldiering on in our series on the books of the New Testament. And today, of course, we come to the Acts of the Apostles. And our word of the day, which i really forgot to make a clever transition. To, Come on, man. Uh, let's see, Pentecost. Our word of the day is uh, Pentecostis, which is translated into English as Pentecost. It kind of sounds how it how it. Uh, it's a cognate there. Pentecostis. We should have seen what the,
0: the last major feast day was like fifty days ago, and just like said, that's why we're doing it because of Saint. Athanasius, as you say, 50 days ago. (laughs) (laughs) Made
1: some obscure connection there. That's right, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, Pentecost, so if you remember your Old Testament, Pentecost comes 50 days after Passover. Boom. So, God in the Exodus has delivered the Israelites from Egypt. And then, roughly 50 days later, they arrive at the mountain, uh, Mount Sinai, where they get the law and where they're reconstituted as the people of God. And yeah. so, a really cool thing happens, which we'll get to in the book of Acts, which uh, in a way recapitulates or repeats what happens in the Exodus. So, yeah. Um, but first, we got to do the nitty gritty business of author. Let's do it. Yeah. Who's the author of Acts? Luke. Luke, H- hard stop. Yep. It's really, <laughs> it's really not much more to say.
0: I mean, let re-listen to our Luke uh, podcast. And then that's the end. Is,
1: is there a, a, a less controversial authorial? I really don't think so. I, I, mean, I mean, yeah. Who, who is going to argue with that? Let's
0: fight Hebrews and then we'll get, you know, <laughs> yeah.
1: Hebrews, nobody knows, but like right. acts, there's like no debate at all. Come yeah. on. And, Very clearly. And Luke.
0: basically once again, go back and listen to our Luke podcast and you'll know we have a whole section on, on date. And stuff, and so our answer to the date of this is, well, it's right after Luke. Yeah.
1: <laughs> sixty to eighty is what somewhere, I'm, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere around in there. Uh, also addressed to Gentiles throughout the Roman Empire. There doesn't yep. seem to be one specific audience no, yeah. to the Acts of the Apostles.
0: Yeah, and one thing too, I think, I think, I don't know, I took for granted, and I don't know if you took it for granted or not, but I think a lot of times people take for granted that Jesus rolled around and hung out with people for forty days after the resurrection. Yes. Like, I feel like in my brain growing up, it was always like, resurrection, some partying, bye-bye Jesus. Like, you know, like it was like a week later or something like that or a couple of days later. But it's like, can you imagine just hanging out with the Lord of the universe and his resurrected glorified body for 40 days and still being a coward?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one cool distinctive about Acts is that the apostles really go from being kind of wimpy, lame, losery dudes to being heroes, to being yeah. rock
0: stars. So... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll tell you how yeah. that goes. So don't forget, Jesus like taught and expounded upon the Gospels. That's not written in the Gospels for forty days. So this whole sola scriptura thing doesn't Boo. doesn't quite doesn't quite play out with Man, that. The
1: Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Council is going to put the nail in that in that coffin. But yeah. uh, we'll get there. So in chapter one, we have the intro. We have the little prologue to Theophilus, just like Luke, and then Jesus promises the Spirit. Hey gang, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and then He ascends. Up
0: into heaven, which is a great argument for confirmation, right? What is uh, the fact that the the apostles had to receive the Spirit multiple times, be empowered for mm-hmm. for their ministry because they were all baptized by this point, right? Right, um, and then Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit after the initial resurrection. Hey, right? Um, and then he says, "I got to send you the Spirit," and like he doesn't use the word, but I'll use it as like a sacramental way. Right? Sure, yeah, um, and so. Yeah, that, the one one the hard thing about confirmation as Catholics, it's like there's seed form of it in Acts and the Apostles in particular, um, but there's no like the word confirmation like is not in the Bible, right? right. So, right. Um, but you know, uh, was it? I think Paul is it in the Acts when Paul says. Uh, they had been baptized in the name of Jesus, but you had not yet received the Spirit. They didn't know who the Holy Spirit was? Yeah, so yep. that's, mm-hmm. that's another kind of seed of confirmation there. Mm-hmm. Right? So
1: Definitely a sacrament that evolves throughout church history, for yeah. sure, in terms of what it means, and it's not really as clear-cut as the Eucharist or baptism,
0: for sure. I wish it was, and make my super sessions on Sundays a little bit easier. For super things. sessions! That's right, you got to name them some fun stuff. We're <laughs> doing Mario Kart, too.
1: Uh, Then you have the spreading of the kingdom in Judea. So you remember Jesus gives this great commission, and he says, you'll be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. So the time that they really do that in Judea is in chapters 2 through 7. So you have Pentecost, and you have the tongues of fire. Which we'll talk about here in a bit. Lighting up on their heads. Conflicts with the temple over their healing miracles and with their preaching. Um, And we see these kind of house church movements start to begin. They're still going to the temple, by the way. These are Jewish Christians who, um, of course, best case scenario, would not have gotten kicked out of the temple for preaching about Jesus, but it happened. And then uh, we have the the deacons instituted with the martyrdom of Stephen and the flock scatters to Judea and Samaria. That's chapters 2 through Mm 7. Anything you want to hit on in there?
0: Um, well, should we just do the, the big overview, then we can zoom in? Yeah,
1: okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, Samaria in chapters 8 through 12. So you have Philip going to the Samaritans. You have Saul becoming Paul, Peter and Cornelius. Uh, the church founded in Antioch, the, the first place that the people of God are called Christians, little Christs, led by Barnabas and Paul, and missionaries are sent out. And then you have to the ends of the earth that section there, so the missions to Asia Minor, which is in modern-day Turkey, uh, to Greece. And there's a pattern here in these missions where they go to the synagogue first to tell people about Jesus. Some people listen are really interested, in, it, and some people get really violent and angry. The Jerusalem Council in 15 happens over the new Gentiles coming in and what to do about circumcision. Then you have Paul going to Philippi, Athens, and Ephesus talking about how Jesus is king, getting himself variously arrested here and there. And then chapters 28 and 20, or 21, sorry, through 28, uh, is Paul's, I guess, final arrest and his appeal to Caesar. Uh, yeah. Let let's see, let the emperor himself decide this issue, which has its own covert missionary bent. Watch I mean, if, if Paul had his way, he would try and convert even the emperor himself. That's right. So, so yeah,
0: essentially there's, you know, a few different points, but it's interesting when you look at Acts in a bird's eye view, because, you know what does God do throughout salvation history? He plants the seed of Israel and from Israel, he, he saves the world. Right. And so the book of Acts is set up in a similar way. Right. He starts in Jerusalem um, and then goes out to the rest of the world. Right. So, um, so yeah, just in general, you know, when you read the book of Acts, you'll notice the theme. We start in, Jerusalem, right? Or in Judea, Jerusalem. And then it goes to Judea and Samaria, like slowly branching out. And then it goes to the rest of the world, right? Um, because God has to save the 10 lost tribes who are not Mormons in New York.
1: <laughs> Just in case anybody <laughs> listening to this was worried about that. That's right. Yeah, they're not, they're not. Oh no, what about the They, didn't,
0: they didn't cross the land bridge and end up in New York. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what happened to that that sweet, sweet land bridge? Yeah.
0: So uh, a few things, you know, uh, Ryan and I were talking about zooming in on here. There's a ton we could talk about. But uh, just chronologically, um, we should talk about Pentecost a little bit here, uh, just because I feel like it's a, I think people gloss over it a little bit, because we do, we have the feast of Pentecost every liturgical year. Yep. Um,
1: but it's, it's like a big deal. So Easter is the great 50 days in the church calendar, and then 50 days after that, that on that on that Sunday, you celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, uh, the Feast of the Holy Spirit descending on the apostles. It's the birthday of the church. The birthday of the church, and empowering them for this specific ministry. If you look at the commentaries on the Acts of the Apostles, over and over again, they're going to say, it's kind of weird that it's called the Acts of the Apostles, because only Peter and Paul. Peter and Paul are kind of the, the two in the forefront. Right, yeah. And the Holy Spirit's just doing everything. It yeah. should have been called the Acts of the Spirit or yeah, something like the that. the
0: Acts of the Shadow of Peter. Sure, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's pretty cool because also when you look at, um, and you are have to forgive me because I forget which chapter of Ezekiel it is, but in Ezekiel there's a prophecy um, where he alludes to this like fiery heavenly temple Um, that, that will come about when God reconstitute the kingdom of Israel. Um, and so it's really beautiful because when you look at Pentecost, right, the tongues of fire coming down and and resting on it, you see that connection with with Ezekiel where, you know, it's not a literal like temple made of fire, right? But rather it's the temple made by the Holy Spirit, right? Temple not made with human hands, um, and yeah. again,
1: the connection to the Exodus and Sinai with the, uh, the fire and the smoke engulfing the, right. the mountain and all of that yeah. good stuff.
0: And what's the first thing that, you know, Peter does? He he, he literally converts 3,000 people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, it's the fruit of the, if you want a fruit of the spirit. Peter, I mean,
1: Peter who in the gospels couldn't even be bothered to say, yeah, Jesus is my friend. Right. T- turns around and converts 3,000 people in one sermon. It's pretty incredible. I actually
0: heard, uh, I was on a retreat this past weekend and I did, I've never heard this, but apparently there's a tradition. Um, so take it or leave it uh, that St. Peter um, used to weep every day um, after Pentecost. Um, and the tradition holds that initially it was f- for sorrow for his betrayal of Christ. Um, and then it turned into um, weeping for joy for like God's mercy, like as he deepened in his faith kind of thing. I could see um, it. Yeah. And so, even like, so the quote unquote, the tradition holds that there was constantly like, uh, tear marks on his face, like from like smudged of dirt and Are stuff.
1: There, do we have iconographic?
0: Oh man, evidence
1: of that. I'm gonna I, look. I'm gonna go home and yeah, look at some Peter I there, icons. Now. I hope there is. Yeah, Peter yeah, weeping. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about tongues in Pentecost?
0: Oh, yeah. So let's let's uh, go there. We I think we got to do it, ladies <laughs> yeah. and gentlemen, because you have a lot of people uh. who are really,
1: really confused about what the gift of tongue means. If you just read the Acts of the Apostles, it's quite clear that the gift of tongues is the supernatural empowerment by the Holy Spirit to speak in other languages that are intelligible, that can be understood by other people. So if all of a sudden, yes, if I were struck with the gift of tongues at this moment, um, all of a sudden I could just be fluent in Chinese and Chinese people could hear me and understand what I was saying. Right. It would not mean that all of a sudden I get into some sort of ecstatic trance and start yodeling and no one knows what I'm talking. That's just not the gift of tongues.
0: So a modern example of this in my modern, uh, there's a story of St. Teresa of Calcutta. Um, she was she was given a talk at the then Soviet Union, like something about helping orphans or something like that. Um, so obviously the Soviet Union, which, you know, they're not huge fans of her, but they're trying to remain like the pretend like they are essentially. And she did not speak Russian. I think she spoke, she spoke English and then whatever her home country was. Like she... But in India, the, the, a lot of people speak English, right? So you can get by with English. But she did not speak Russian. Um, and she was giving a, a presentation on the the evils of abortion. And so she had a Russian translator. And about halfway through the talk, she looks at him and says, stop lying and tell them what I'm saying.
1: Hey, yo. Yeah, The yeah. gift of tongues. Right, exactly. It's happening.
0: So it can be that it'd be the gift of the interpretation of tongues, right? Um, and so it's one of those things where... Um, what Ryan and I aren't saying is we're not saying that if, if you are listening to this and are part of the charismatic renewal. We're not saying, uh, what you're doing is wrong or immoral or anything like that, or not, you know, a beautiful form of prayer. All we're trying to say is that, uh, when you look at scripture, even, even in in St. Paul's writings, um, when that that word tongue is used, it really it just means different language, right? Yeah. It's that's that's the literal interpretation of the word.
1: And, and it's used for the building up of the body. People right. are edified by this new tongue that you have and the and the message that you're giving. Now, of course, if you're in your closet all alone praying to the Lord and something ecstatic happens to you, like we want to celebrate that we're happy about it. That's 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 great, um, but something else is happening and the Acts of the Apostles when we talk about the gift of tongues.
0: Yeah. And and remember too, at the time, um, there wasn't, I mean, so Latin was a semi or Greek was a semi-universal language, right? But um, it's, it's kind of similar to like Africa today, right? Where each community has their own kind of way of speaking, right? So this gift of tongues, the ability to like miraculously speak these different languages was extremely useful, right? (laughs) And it was needed because um, yes, while the trading language was Greek, um, that's like saying that, that that English is the universal language now. Do a lot of people speak English? Yes, but it doesn't mean I'm going to fly to France right now and and everyone's going to speak English, right? Um, so, so yeah.
1: And Pentecost is a reversal of
0: Babel, and yeah, yeah,
1: the scattering and the and the division of people by languages is being undone by this new movement of the Spirit. So we should probably move on to uh, yeah to to Stephen here.
0: Yeah. So uh, I wanted to talk about uh, Saint Stephen a little bit, the first martyr. The first martyr fir- of the, the church. First martyr of the church, and yep um, So this this happens really uh, in six eight is when you see in Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. So real quick, the last time Luke used that phrase was to describe Mary, full of grace. Hey, um, so uh, you know, it's one of those things where when you when you it's it's Luke in language, but at the same time, it's to describe somebody who truly is holy. Like it's there, it's a state of being. Like they're close to. Close to close to Christ. Um, and so what happens is Stephen's a younger guy. He's described as beautiful, right, somewhere. Um, his face was radiant or something like that. I don't remember that. Um, hmm. I think it's right before they stone him to death. Um, the stoning of Stephen. So let's see. Uh, so this is uh, 754. So basically Stephen spends, what, 53 verses almost reminding the Pharisees and Sadducees of their own Old Testament.
1: Yeah, which and, is kind of bold, and uh, a lot of uh, some martyrdoms in in the scriptures don't make sense. Stephen's definitely makes sense. Yes, uh, his, yeah. his his sermon was fiery. Yeah, uh, which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? Yeah, it's st- not a surprise that you killed Jesus. Look how you treated all of God's other anointed right. ones.
0: You stiff-necked people. So, so this is what he says in verse fifty-four. I I think it's really beautiful. So he says, Luke says this in verse fifty-four. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep.
1: Is it Tertullian that says the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church? Because the church just kind of explodes at, right. at this point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those things where um, we're not going to draw all the parallels right now, but I encourage you on, on your own study. So read Acts 7, but in particular 54 through the end of the chapter, and then compare it to. Um, the crucifixion of Christ, yeah, right. I mean, there's, I mean, there's intentional parallels there, right? Mm-hmm. Luke is trying to show his readers, and us, that if you want to be like Christ, th- then this is the way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. You, you need to die for him, right? Yep. The way he died. Yep. And so, what's the last thing Jesus does? He prays for the forgiveness of his persecutors, right? And Stephen either was, either saw the crucifixion happen or heard about it from from John the Beloved, and was like, "Yep, that's what I need. I need to. I gotta pray for these people. You know, that's what Jesus did."
1: And uh, so if you're, cons- if, any- if there are any fellows out there considering being a deacon, Stephen is your, yeah, he's is your deacon. man. Yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, they had just, the church had just instituted deacons at this point and then uh, it falls to Stephen to represent them in a spectacular way.
0: Yeah. And deacon just means servant too, right? So they're, they're table waiters. Yeah. Essentially yeah. Um, they're, they're there to help out at the, at the last supper, at the Mem- memorial of the last supper. So um, an interesting conversation can be had about the role of deaconesses in the New Testament. Um, that's a conversation for another day.
1: But. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to Romans and Phoebe. Good old Phoebe. Yeah. Not yeah. from Friends. Yeah, sure. Not Phoebe from Friends. <laughs> Which one is Phoebe? Is that
0: Jennifer the, Aniston? No, no, no. She's the dumb blonde. Um, She's yeah. like the goofy blonde This thing's Smelly Cat. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right.
1: Um, that's one of those little '90s artifacts that I missed. Yeah, you're not missing it because my dad said that friends will make you dumb, and so he wouldn't let He's me watch it. He's not wrong.
0: <laughs> well, and it's crazy. Total side tangent, everybody. But like, it's crazy. I remember like my my parents watching that show all the time growing up, and like being a kid, it was just on, right? Sure. So like, I don't think I was entertained by it, but like, I remember watching a bunch of them just because it was on. And then as a dog watched, it. I'm like, this is an awful show. <laughs> like, it's literally about adultery. Like, you know. uh sex outside of marriage, like fornication, getting drunk. Like it's literally, it's the glorification of every vice, basically.
1: It's a, it's a bunch of like 30 year olds acting as if they're still in college yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And
0: right. My encouragement, if anybody watching this, if you're watching a show that makes you a sinner or glorifies sin or makes you a worse person or makes you dumb, just stop, <laughs> just stop watching it. Um, I know it's our anti-commercial about. for friends here. That's, That's right, funny. yeah. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> Thanks
1: be to God for St. Stephen. Then the the mission shifts to Samaria, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, in chapters 8 through 12. So Philip goes to the Samaritans and sees them, and then you have the conversion of Saul to Paul, which Which, is not a conversion from Judaism to a thing called Christianity, no, but from a a conversion from persecution of Christ to... um, giving his whole life to support Jesus's mission. And
0: one thing we have to really, I mean, we don't have time to dive into it today. A whole books have been written just about Paul's conversion. Yep. Um, but one thing we really have to remember, especially if you're reading Paul, all of Pauline theology stems from his encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, right? Um, Cause what does Jesus say? He says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Yeah. So all of Paul's language of the mystical body of Christ, incorporation to the body of Christ, many parts on all one, By all of that stems from his encounter and this, in this saying that Jesus, why are you persecuting me? Right. So it, it's it's hard to over oversell how important Paul's encounter is on the road to Damascus. And there's a reason Luke included it is because you know he's a disciple of Paul. He knows how important this moment is for Paul. I mean, it changes everything, obviously, right? Yep.
1: Yep. So that happens, and then uh, Peter, in a vision, he sees a bunch of animals. Being let down from heaven in a sheet, and he hears a voice. Tell, what a trippy dream right. this must have been! And he hears God's voice telling him that all of these animals are now clean, and these were animals that uh, Peter, in his former life, could not have killed and eaten, which the dream, yeah. the voice in the dream, instructs him to do. So he eventually meets this Gentile God-fearer named Cornelius, whose whole. Household gets converted and all of that great stuff I need that to happens. N- name there. my next
0: kid Cornelius.
1: Cornelius be a excellent name. Come corn. corn what's up? What's up, corn? Corn boy. <laughs> <laughs> what's up, cornhole? So, <laughs> yeah, um, so uh, as a result of Peter and Cornelius here, all of these Gentiles start coming start coming into the faith. That is, people who aren't Jews, who haven't kept kosher laws, who don't have the history of the Old Testament, start coming into the church and. This leads us to the ends of the earth section in chapters 13 through 20. And uh, our next stop that I think we want to make is the Jerusalem council, which is called in part because we have to figure out as Jews what we're going to do with all these new Gentiles coming into the church.
0: Yeah. I think we've talked on the show a fair amount, but just as a quick refresher. Um, if you don't understand, uh, the controversy around circumcision, most of the new Testament's not going to make sense. Um, (laughs) it's just, it's really, it's really
1: hard for us to imagine how controversial this is today. Right. And
0: so, but you can imagine, you know, going up to somebody, a grown man who's like 35 years old and saying, Hey, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. We have a savior. It's so good. Like repent, follow him and you'll be saved wow, that sounds really great. What do I need to do? Oh, you know, get baptized. And All then, right, I'll and, get baptized. And, yeah, sounds easy, good. Easy enough. Yep. And then there's just a little minor surgery afterwards. A uh, surgery? Yeah, snip, snip.
1: Yeah, what?
0: Um, <laughs> no, I'm good. Hard <laughs> pass, hard pass. Um,
1: so circumcision, yeah. going back to the earliest parts of the Old Testament, was the sign of the covenant. Now, baptism eventually comes to to replace it in the church. And, of course, baptisms for everybody, male and female, baby and everybody in the 90 yeah, year olds everybody. and nine month
0: olds <laughs> and everybody in between. So, yeah. um, but it was also a con is controversial because, um, there was two lines of thought, right? Cause you, you also had a lot of Gentile converts who weren't told. And then the circumcision party was coming in being like, wait, no, you're not actually saved yet. You're not actually a Christian yet. Cause you're not circumcised. Right. And then you had these, and that's what Paul addresses a lot, a ton, right? Paul is trying to come in and, and, you know, um, redo the damage that's been done like these people have, are potentially losing their faith you know saying i can't go through with this right um souls souls are at stake right so for paul this is a huge deal um and so so yeah it's it's really hard uh you can you can't over exaggerate how, how much of a controversy this was because the church was literally on the line right i mean it was going to be a church made of jews or a church for the world, essentially, yep. right? Yep. I mean,
1: that's... Uh, the analogy that I've used in my Sunday morning class that I'm teaching right now when we talked about this recently was uh, you can imagine like the, the black and white school integrations that yeah. happened in our country some 50 years ago. Like how are you going to get these two groups of people to get along together through their whole lives they've been taught that they ought to be estranged from one another? It's a very similar thing that's right. happening here in the early church. Yeah. How can we get these people... Together under one roof on the same mission.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, and kind of t- in today's context too, there, every once in a while I see debates amongst even faithful Catholics on you know whether or not you should circumcise your sons and all these things. Um, and so, I, I'm speaking as somebody who's researched this, and fair enough, I'll a time some like moral theology into this, but also this is a, just a little bit opinionated, to so take it with grain of salt. Um, there, on one side of the argument is you shouldn't do it because it's a form of mutilation, right? That's that's the argument on one side. The other side. Other extreme that I think is, is wrong is no, you have to do it because you have to for whatever arbitrary reason. Um, both of those I think are incorrect, right? I think the virtues and the mean. The reason the first one's wrong, it's not a form of mutilation. And the reason I don't believe it is, is because Jesus was circumcised. And so mutilation, the church defines as a grave, mortal sin, right? So if, if you say it's mutilation, that means that Mary, who is conceived without original sin, who is sinless, performed an act of grave moral evil on jesus right right and you can't say that dismiss that one yeah you can't say that so it's not mutilation right um and then on the other end we also don't have to do it it's it's not paul makes that abundantly clear the council of jerusalem makes it abundantly clear which we're about to talk about in more detail here um but we don't it's not you're not morally obligated to do it
1: so the council gets together. They say, "What are we going to do about all these Gentiles coming in? Do they have to get circumcised or not?" The apostles take counsel together with the presence of the Holy Spirit, and they say, "It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to lay this law upon you." You'll notice, for for if I doubt, there's very many fans of sola scriptura <laughs> in, in, in the crowd here, but they're nobody cool. says this is what this is what Jesus told us to do. Nobody says, um, as the scriptures have always said, they're making a very clear, intentional distinction here between the Old Covenant and the New. And they do it by virtue of their apostolic authority with the presence of the Spirit in their midst. Yeah. And what was really cool for me as a former Protestant was to realize, okay, wait,
0: that's how the church has operated for 2,000 years Literally now. every major dogmatic decision has, yeah. has, has gone back from the First Council right. Like what?
1: Okay, okay, a new moral, ethical issue arises in the church. What do we do? You look to the heirs of the apostles. It's, that's we've right. never stopped having... The church is at 21 ecumenical councils now. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, actually, Um, if my my math is correct. Well, it depends. So, our Orthodox brothers and sisters think the last one happened in Mm, 10, um, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. According to them, the past thousand years, there has never been an ecumenical council because they weren't invited. (laughs)
1: Sure. They're always invited.
0: (laughs) That's right. They just never come. Yeah. Um, But
1: but, uh, no, this is how the church decides things in council together with the Holy Spirit to help us figure out and adjudicate between these moral, ethical questions that yeah. come up in our lives. And so. another
0: interesting thing, too, is is where does the buck stops? The buck stops with Peter, right? It's so yeah. just going a little papal authority, too. Yeah. They, there's much debate. There's argument. Both sides make their case. And then Peter stands up. Yep, and then there's silence. Yep, and Peter says, "This is the decision of the church." Right now, Peter is not speaking ex cathedra, right? Is it so ex cathedra being um, from the chair, from the chair of Moses or, or Peter, right? Uh, where the, the and the Pope's only done that three times in hu- human history. So when you hear talk about the infallibility of the Pope, it's speaking about ex cathedra statements, which there's only been three of in the past two thousand years. So anyway, you should look that up. But anyway, that's a different in conversation. So Council
1: of Jerusalem, very cool. Uh, Paul keeps getting arrested. Um, and on beating his, the crap out of him, right, too. Yeah, on his way to Rome in chapters 21 through 28, uh, he gets a bunch of Jews mad at him, and the Jews appeal to the Roman authorities to try and get this guy arrested on charges of treason or sedition. And the Roman authorities kind of look at it and go, oh, this seems like a religious debate. Then they find
0: out he's a Roman citizen. we they're not like, so, oh, crap.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, we'll beat him up if you want to. And then they're like, uh-oh, he is a Roman citizen. What are we going to do about that? All of this is part of Paul's kind of like the Bond villain who gets captured on purpose, you know, to in order to to work out his grand plan here. He's That's like right. the the Joker, I guess, like that was my plan all
0: along. That's right. <laughs> but, but
1: he's going to use all of these arrests as missionary opportunities can, to continue to spread the gospel throughout the empire, which is which yeah. is very cool.
0: So I think, you know, kind of wrapping up the conversation here on Acts, we're about almost out of time. Um Acts is a very important book, um, It's and it's easy to read. It's not confusing. It's Luke is really just trying to tell you the facts. Very right? straightforward yeah. narrative. Um, but And I will say that uh, most of Paul's writings will not make sense without having Acts as a background.
1: Um, because allegedly he writes, Paul writes most of his letters from prison, the prisons that we hear about right. in the Acts of the Apostles.
0: Yeah, yep. yeah. So um, if you ever try to read Paul and you're like, I don't really know what's going on, uh, one, Paul can be really hard, but two know the book of Acts better. Yeah. So kind of lay that foundation, and know that history a little bit better.
1: Do we have any further reading recommendations? Dude, I really don't. You don't? <laughs> Not really. Sure, you do. <laughs> uh, what are you?
0: What are you? What are you working with here? Um, I mean, this is just my good old uh, Ignatius Catholic Study Bible. I gave so, I, I gave mean, a little
1: commercial for that the other day in my Sunday class. Oh, good. Um, I mean, it's a, I mean
0: that's what. So yes, that's what I'm using to study Acts. Like, and I use like Logos for Bible software. Um,
1: yeah, but uh, I want to make another Craig Keener commercial. He, oh, good old Craig. He has a four volume. Whoa! Four thousand word commentary Shut on up. the on the Book of Acts wow. came out like six years ago. So um, I mean, cost, it's gonna it's gonna uh, take up a your, well, I can't remember. Um, it's gonna take up a whole shelf on your Keener's on
0: your great shelf. though. All his stuff I've read is is really solid. Yeah, I don't agree with like everything, but most of it's really good.
1: What's great about him is that if even the tiniest allusion to anything happens in the Book of Acts, he's gonna go. And here's all the places in the ancient world where other people made that same allusion, like to a poet or something, or to yeah, a philosophical yeah, yeah, yeah. idea, and just give you all the possible background. It's like watching the Lord of the Rings making of, <laughs> and you're like, wow, 12 hours later, I understand everything. That's, that's right. What, that's what you we're just read the Cimmerillion. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, great yeah. cuter commentary. No, there. that's
0: great. Yeah, no, I will I will say Acts, Acts is probably m- one of my least studied books of the New Testament. Um, Why do you think that is? Well, my, the guy, my main mentor was a Pauline scholar. So I just, I spent a lot of time in Paul and Paul and obviously Paul's in Acts too, which is I say, I say, if you want to know Paul, read, read Acts. Yeah. So so much of my time was taken up, um, in Pauline, uh, letters and Christology, um, even gospels. Like I'm, I'm, I'm more comfortable with Paul than the gospels. Huh. Um, yeah, just cause my main mentor was a, was a Pauline scholar. So that's, we just did a lot of Paul um not not that we didn't do everything else too sure yeah right but it's just the, the emphasis was on that syllable right yeah. Yeah, um, yeah yeah whereas my other mentor dr barber he was a historical jesus scholar so he did a lot of gospel
1: dr so. michael barber if you're listening to this i love um, you you're you're a hero we think <laughs> you're right. super cool and
0: neat that's right um but anyway so mea culpa on that one i should study he more
1: we're doing this series friends because we need to learn the bible better too
0: that's right that's what this is all about this is keeping uh, ryan and i accountable and studying all did you the time. Know,
1: did you know this show is called catholics with bibles that's, that's kind right. of the whole point
0: that's right yeah uh well cool uh so i think that about wraps it up for today um so it is thanksgiving week so hope you are listening to this happy thanksgiving everybody eat some turkey for us
1: yeah and some sweet tater casserole sweet ta-
0: i'm not a huge sweet potato guy
1: uh, you had mine the other day didn't you Mm, probably not
0: i oh, probably i probably brother. avoided it because the marshmallows said. on top no yeah i shouldn't have called dish. it a casserole <laughs> it's, it's
1: like it's like pie or pudding it's hardly a casserole yeah, that's
0: right i'm I, I give me some pumpkin pie watch out pecan, pecan pie pecan no pie? No. no only pecan. pumpkin pecan pie not pecan pie Pe- anyway pecan. we're gonna wrap up the show now <laughs> we'll see you next time happy thanksgiving everybody Bye All right, y'all, thanks again for joining us on Catholics with Bibles, going through the books of the New Testament. As always, do us a favor, share this with your friends, with your family, give us a review on whatever you're listening to on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Helps people find us better. And we'll see you next time on Catholics with Bibles. God bless y'all.